You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, do I wish I was mostly peaceful, but right now, there's not much to be peaceful about. Before I jump into anything, I do want to take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, for those of you that normally listen to the show on KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, there is a brand new listen uh, call to listen line phone number. That's uh, actually a, a strange phenomenon uh, where folks, they don't necessarily like listening online and they 
maybe don't get the best reception. Uh, when you're talking about a, an AM radio station, and if you're out on the outer limits of the the bandwidth, the coverage area, if you will. So lots and lots of people who've fallen in love with radio stations uh, that have these smaller coverage areas have taken to uh, to calling in on a nine so that they can listen. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you happen to be one of those folks, just so you know, the listen line now is 518-896-1531. Uh, I'll say that again. The KYAH call in to listen line is 518-896-1531. That's the new main number to give out. And listeners will be redirected if need be. Uh, the old number is no longer valid. So that little bit of piece uh, housekeeping out of the way. What do you say we jump in? Now, before I get to the first story, I do want to offer up apologies to everyone. Because you are missing out on a great 15-minute conversation from uh, A.J. Rice. Uh, the author of The Woking Dead. I uh, actually had that conversation with him uh, earlier today. And due to some unexpected tech issues, the entirety of that conversation is wiped. I have a 16-minute block of MP3 file that is completely empty. Not me, not AJ. Very disappointing. So I will reach out to him and we'll see if we can't reschedule again because the conversation was great. And if we can recapture just a little bit of that. But AJ is in the middle of doing the full-blown book tour right now. So it may be a little bit down the road before we can make that happen. So apologies to you guys, uh, all you listeners out there. Uh, I I just don't know what to say. I I haven't been able to dig into it enough just yet to figure out exactly what it was that went wrong, but if I had to make a guess, it probably was me. <laughs> Problem you get for being a one-man show when you don't have producers and uh, you're completely independent and you're totally uh, underfunded and uh, not enough time in the day. So bear with me and uh, you know I'll try to make up for it by being a little more informative and a little more entertaining. Uh, just, uh, you know, Please forgive me, guys, and please forgive me, AJ, because you know what, you were you were fantastic as usual, and uh, you know you gave up fifteen minutes of your life. You're not going to get back, so I apologize. All right, now let's jump to it. Biggest story of the day: uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland came out and said something that uh, they refused to acknowledge up until today. Today, of course, being August the eleventh, twenty twenty-two. It's a Thursday. And uh, this particular afternoon, just a few hours ago, really, uh, Merrick Garland came out and announced that um, he had personally approved the FBI search warrant on the home of former President Don Trump. That's right. The department has moved to unseal the search warrant, so we'll see exactly what it was they're supposed to have been looking for. But Merrick, uh, he showed up to his little press conference 30 minutes late. He didn't answer any questions, and he gave very little information. 
I would say probably to make sure that he didn't say something more than he should. Now, the announcement, of course, comes after federal law enforcement officials raided Trump's Florida residence in Mar-a-Lago. That, of course, happened back this past Monday. Uh, the effort was, according to them, to retrieve documents related to the National Archives. Uh, personally, I'm not buying it, and based on most of the media reporting, including from the mainstream leftist legacy media, I don't think anybody's buying it. Newsweek reported that the FBI specifically targeted three rooms at the residence, a bedroom, an office, and then a storage room, and that the information used to obtain the warrant a quote was based largely on information from an FBI confidential human source, meaning somebody's still spying on Trump from the inside of Trump's circles. This report also said that the confidential informant told the Bureau what documents were taken and where the documents were located. The report said that the federal officials waited until Trump was out of state to execute the search warrant at the property because they wanted to be as low-key as possible. They wanted to act all secret squirrel. They didn't want anybody to know what they were up to. Agents were reportedly at the property the entire day and were dressed in plain clothes, leading staff to believe that they were U.S. Secret Service agents, uh, which is why news of the ex executed search warrant didn't leak. What a spectacular backfire, according to a DOJ official uh, talking to the publication. Quote, I know that there is much speculation out there that this is a political persecution. But it is really the best and the worst of the bureaucracy in action. They wanted to punctuate the fact that this is, that this was a routine law enforcement action, stripped of any political overturns, and yet they got exactly the opposite. Another senior U.S. official told the publication that the FBI created the very firestorm they sought to avoid by ignoring the fallout. Now, we have very little left to do but speculate at this point, and speculation is appropriate, I think. Normally, I, I'm not a big fan of speculation, especially when I come on here and try to talk to you directly, because here's the problem with that type of speculation. It's just speculation. Now, it's speculation in my case based on years of paying attention and facts on the ground and things that we've seen. But I do try to make an effort to have some level of benefit of the doubt. I do want to believe the best for law enforcement. I do. But at this point in time, can we even truly count the FBI as law enforcement? I mean, we have seen over and over again their efforts at protecting the Biden crime family. We've seen their efforts at protecting Hillary Clinton, protecting Huma Albedi, protecting Anthony Weiner, a.k.a. Carlos Danger. We've seen them protecting Bill Clinton. We've seen them protecting the client list of a certain Jeffrey Epstein. And yet we've seen them also constantly find excuses and make up reasons to go after Donald J. Trump. Excuses to create a spying network based on Paul Manafort. 
based on other people that were working within the organization, people that were assets for the CIA. And lies were told to the FISA courts in order to get the warrant where they neglected to acknowledge that they were told that certain folks were indeed CIA uh, assets. Oh, well, they were having a talk with uh, this individual. That's suspicious. Uh, were they working for the CIA as part of this conversation? The CIA said yes, but I'm going to say they said no. And I'm going to get a pat on the wrist. Barely even noticed that, uh, that I did anything wrong. Meanwhile, let's destroy Trump. Let's destroy Trump's inner circle. Let's destroy every person in the United States that supported Trump, that still supports Trump, that believes Trump was standing up for America, that he was putting America first, and that he was treating average, everyday, ordinary, regular Americans like they were people and not just props for a photo shoot. Like they were genuine human beings worthy of respect and care rather than just pretending like they were part of a uh, clandestine effort to uh, manufacture a bill. Someone to dissuade, someone to use for their votes and for their sympathy. Now, you see, Donald John Trump treated the average American like they were what was most important about America. And that's why the Democrats can't understand why he was so popular, why he was so successful, and why he will beat them again if given a chance. All they know for sure is that he will beat them again if given a chance. They just don't understand why. They refuse to acknowledge that they're on the wrong path. They refuse to acknowledge that wokeism is stupidity. That's where we are. No one is above the law, says Nancy Pelosi. Immediately the memes begin. The Democrats, no one is above the law, starter pack. Starting with Hunter Biden including Hillary Clinton, including several other <laughs> Democratic folks. You, there's a list that goes so very long, but in an effort to respect your time, dear listener, I'm not going to waste it by going down a long list of names and people you already know. The interesting aspect of Merrick Garland stepping out is, is twofold, though. Because, number one, we were initially told that... Uh, the White House knew nothing about it. And we were initially given the brush off about if Merrick Garland knew anything at all about it. We were led to believe that Christopher Ray was the highest ranking official in the Justice Department that was aware and had signed off until today. And then Merrick Garland just comes out late as if he was reluctant to do so, as if he was being pushed into saying so, and I would be curious to find out if that was indeed the case. I would really like to know if Merrick Garland really did sign off on this, because that seems a bit bold for Merrick. He's not exactly a force of nature, if you will. But beyond that, is this something where the Democratic base demands that the Attorney General be the one that made this move? Rather than having Christopher Ray, who took over the FBI as director under Trump, when the previous FBI director, 
who had also been appointed by Trump, did really stupid things and eventually got himself fired. Is, is that what's at play here? We can't have anybody associated with Trump and the Trump administration being the hero of the story? I mean, while that's interesting all in of itself, it also does bring up another very interesting point because we still today got multiple denials from the White House that Joe Biden knew anything about it. And I think if you pay attention to the wording, that's going to be very careful as to how true that statement actually is. Because if the Attorney General of the United States is actually one that signed off on this unprecedented move, then that makes it even less likely than I initially believed that the White House wasn't given a heads up. In fact, there's still some conflicting reports about exactly when the Secret Service was notified that the FBI would be showing up, because now, evidently, based on inside sources, they actually were tipped off the day before. And if the Secret Service was tipped off the day before, there's no way that that information didn't get into the White House. Now, maybe nobody told Joe, but the folks that are actually pulling the, the strings behind the scenes, controlling the meat puppet that is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., that meat puppet, a term from The Woking Dead, A.J. Rice's new book, it, it just it leaves us wondering. It leaves us in that position of having to say, Merrick, did you actually do this on your own without briefing the White House? Given the monumental level that this would represent, given how dangerous this is for a constitutionally federated republic, uh, of course, obviously, most of the Democrats don't believe that uh, this country is a federated republic, and they don't believe that we should be a federal, federated, constitutional republic. They don't like the Constitution. They don't like federalism. They don't like, <laughs> they don't like a republic. They want simple democracy when it serves their purposes, and then they just want jackbooted thuggery when the democracy doesn't uh, doesn't deliver what they want. They don't like America as she was founded. She doesn't they don't like this country the way it was built. They have this situational racism especially directed at the Jewish people today, which is astounding because so many of the American Jewish people uh, are still card-carrying members of the Democratic Party. They, once upon a time, was one of the most important voting blocs that they had within the party, and now uh, they're so very dismissive. Yet a lot of the folks in that category still just lockstep with the rest of the party. I don't understand it. But you see this situational racism. You see this unusual coalescence where there are times when it looks like they're still trying to, to keep together the intersectional coalition and then the times where it's pretty obvious that the hierarchy uh, has 
devolved into a you care about us, you don't care about the rest. That intersectional coalition is pretty much dead at this point, and the Democrats are trying to revive it while not alienating the larger groups that fall in amongst it. So it would be a, a situation where you really have to dig into it to figure out what's the play here, what's the move. I mean, they waited till Donald Trump wasn't there. They refused to let the attorneys that arrived shortly after they began searching uh, Mar-a-Lago uh, refused to let them observe, which is highly unusual all in and of itself. There are reports from the attorneys, the Trump attorneys, that the FBI actually demanded the staff turn off uh, security surveillance cameras uh, in the areas in which they were searching. They wanted it done. Now, they had no legal authority to to force that into happening, and the staff did not. They didn't comply with that particular demand, but they still demanded it nonetheless. Also extremely unusual. But it shows us where we're at. I remember um, a while back, I was on the air with Ken Crow, and we were talking about what Donald Trump should do in regards to Hillary Clinton, because we were still in the midst of, okay, Donald Trump had just won, and he still had a lot of chance of locker up at almost every rally that he went to. So he was doing the thank you tour, and then every speech he gave, if the subject of the Clintons came up, locker up started in the crowd. So... Me, being the kind of guy who would like to see some actual accountability for those that engage in wrongdoing, especially when it's at the level of national politics where they literally take the public trust and use public resources, that's taxpayer resources, taxpayer-funded resources, or taxpayer dollars directly, and use that to enrich themselves. You can say what you want to about the so-called Clinton kill list. Uh, all I'll say about it is it is a ridiculously odd high number of people associated in and around Hillary Clinton that tends to commit suicide. It's enough that maybe I can see why somebody might slap on a tinfoil hat and say, hey guys, that's not coincidence. I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying unusually high number. Most people I know don't even know personally the number of people that have been in and around uh, Hillary Clinton that have died under mysterious circumstances, uh, many of which called suicide. So I have very little very little sympathy for uh, politicians that elevate to that level. I have even less sympathy for people that swear an oath to uphold the laws of this country, to be law enforcement, something other than just a militant arm of one of the political parties when they're in power, and actually still being a militant arm of that party when they're not the majority party. 
so that they stand in opposition and try and prevent people on the other side of the aisle from actually counteracting any of the work they've been doing over the last century plus in trying to drive this great nation into ruin, whether it's through socialism or through communism or through wokeism, uh, pickinism, uh, that's still the end goal. That's the intent. But circling back around to how odd it was for Merrick Garland, who has demonstrated on multiple occasions that this man really loves the sound of his own voice. He likes talking a lot. He likes talking more than I do. And I guess by now you guys have figured out that I like talking a lot because, you know, here we are again. But unbelievable that here we are. Merrick Garland comes out 30 minutes late. Now, this is a guy who also is typically prided himself on punctuality. He's a guy who likes to set the rules, set the schedule, and gets bent out of shape once the schedule falls just the least bit behind. This is part of his personality, a, a bit of a quirk. But he was 30 minutes late for his own press conference where he basically just came out and said, I signed off on it. No questions. Have a good day. Blah, 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 blah. And that's it. Blah, 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 blah. Runs off stage. Is it unreasonable for me to sit here and say, gosh, that's strange. I mean, if you really signed off on it, why don't you tell us a little bit more about why? Instead of just saying that you've requested that the search warrant be released. Because, I mean, to me, I think what you're really saying is we're stalling for time to make our search warrant cover whatever it is we actually found. Because we're still, you know, sorting through the documents we, we come up with and took to the field office. And something tells me they did not find what it was that uh, they claimed to have been looking for. This this whole idea, this whole notion that somehow Donald Trump was supposed to turn over these documents to the National Archives and that's worthy of a full-blown FBI raid, that's absurd. Especially since uh, Trump's attorneys had been cooperating with the National Archives attorneys. They had already turned over several documents that they had requested. They looked at them and said, oh, oh okay, well, maybe you should have these. Uh, here you go. There were still ongoing talks in regards to other things. There was a looming threat of civil action, and typically civil action is the direction this would have taken. To take this step, there had better be more than just documents that you were looking for. You had better be coming out of Mar-a-Lago with Jimmy Hoffa's body. You had better be coming out of Mar-a-Lago with evidence that Donald Trump actually is the kicker of puppies and eaters of babies that uh, I often said, uh, mimicking the left's attitude towards him. Oh, yes, yes, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, Donald John Trump. You, you need to have something solid, and it better be uh, a tad bit more criminal than, oh, well, yeah, here's a letter from Kim Jong-il. 
Well, that's strange. Kim Jong-il was dead by the time you were present. Well, uh, technically, Kim Jong-un sent it to me. It was from his father. I don't know, but he said it was, and it's very huge. It was a great document, and I loved it. It's very big. It's a very huge letter, and it proves that I was the greatest of all time. So I kept it. That was a terrible Trump, but you get what I'm saying. So, there we go. Again, I'm going to circle back around and make the main points, and then we'll take the mid-hour break. The main points being, Merrick Garland did not look like he was happy to come up and make this statement, nor did it seem like they were prepared to actually let us see the search warrant and see what it was that they were supposed to be looking for. Looks and seems, it feels like they're still just buying for more time. But if Merrick Garland did indeed personally sign off on this, to allow it to move forward, agreed to it, said, hey, do it, get a judge or magistrate to sign off, then there is no way, no way, I'm not going to buy it, I'm not going to believe it, you can say it a bajillion times, but there is no way possible that the White House was not aware. Now, maybe Joe was out to lunch. Maybe he was eating some pudding. Maybe he was out on his bike, crashed, was getting helped up so he could go get his favorite ice cream. Maybe he personally did not know. Maybe they told him seven times and he's just, you know, not exactly the sharpest tack at the moment. But there's no way that the White House wasn't aware. There's no way that happens without a briefing. Not from the Justice Department. Not from the Attorney General. I don't believe it. You shouldn't either. All right, let's take that. Uh, let's take that mid-hour break, and when we come back, we will jump right on into the next segment. Um, stay where you're at. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. To the many good and decent men of America, a time of reflecting upon and showing appreciation for all you do. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. You often pay for a dinner that no one was grateful for. Sometimes you didn't know if you'd make it to payday. Thank you for trying your best to be a good man in society that often devalues men. Though you sometimes see your life passing by with your dreams still only in thoughts, you keep it together. For who in this society cares anyway? Most likely, you, the good men of America, will not hear, but I'm proud of you, even though those words of encouragement would help encourage you. You work long hours and leave all the day's frustration at the door in order to be there for your children. Because, like my own dearly departed dad, that's what dads do. Yes, the many good men of America shoulder the weight of the world for their families and, when needed, their country as well. To the many too often unrecognized and underappreciated good men of America, I, Ron Edwards, salute you in appreciation. 
God bless you. God bless America. And may America bless God. I'm Ron Edwards. Find out where you can enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Keep forgetting I'm president. Man, oh man, I wish I could forget he's president. You know, I say that every time I hear him say that. I I just can't help myself. It's it's too too easy, I guess. All right, uh, a couple of quick questions for you. Question number one: Are you looking for capital to start a new business or to grow your existing business in this tough economy? Start Engine may be the answer that you're looking for. And now, with the new exclusive strategic partnership with Indiegogo, Start Engine can offer even more access to crowdfunding than ever before. Uh, go see for yourself by following the link in today's show description and go check out the Scout program for Start Engine. Uh, just phenomenal opportunity for crowdfunding investment. And one of the top people helping to run the company over there, part of the directors, uh, you know, Kevin O'Leary, a.k.a. Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. And uh, you know what else? National Honeymoon Day is coming up. It's just around the corner. It's August 14th. And with that being the case... Now would be a really good time to go check out the best overall honeymoon registry, at least according to brides.com, that being honeyfun.com. Go check out honeyfun.com right now. If you or someone you know is planning on getting married anytime soon, because they're, they're advancing into all kinds of new areas, including funding and gifting well beyond the honeymoon and well beyond just traveling outside of uh, the honeymoon. It's just, just go see for yourself, okay? Again, link in the show description, and there will be links 
If you are so interested and you happen to be listening to Terrestrial Radio, where, of course, you don't have a show description, come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Uh, and then go over to the Friends and Sponsors page, and there'll be links there that will take you to great uh, people like Start Engine, Honey Fun, Beanstalks, uh, you know, folks like that. They're not sponsors per se, but in this case, these are some companies that I have a little bit of interest in. So, you know, go check them out. Both Start Engine, if you're looking for capital, and Honey Fund, if you're looking to start a new life and looking to try to find the premier, best, top of the line honeymoon registry. All right, with that being said, what do you say we actually get back to the show, shall we? Uh, next up here, we got an interesting story uh, in regards to Janet Yellen. Uh, yes, yes, that Janet Yellen. Uh, he, I've still yet to figure out why anybody, and I do mean anybody, is taking this lady seriously at this point because she has demonstrated her lack of, well, objectivity. Now, that's what... Dr. Michael Bushler uh, said, a lack of objectivity. Uh, I tend to think that it has more to do with political movements, that she has become a political actor, much like many other people in and around the uh, financial world. You know, we were in this effort to deny the fact that we're actually in a recession, although it's kind of difficult to deny it. It's pretty obvious that, yes, yes, we are in a recession. Yes, we are in a recession. How do you miss that? Uh, contracting? There we go. Now, uh, just as a matter of uh, breaking news, let me uh, inter interject because, again, you'll have probably have heard this quite a bit, but it's breaking right at this moment, uh, and of course, being... Uh, Thursday, the 11th of August. But uh, it's now being said that uh, federal law enforcement officials were allegedly searching for highly classified documents on nuclear weapons when they raided Donald Trump's house in Florida. The Washington Post now is claiming uh, in a report that those familiar with the matter did not offer any specific details on whether the alleged documents on nuclear weapons were about weapons that were possessed by the United States or that possessed by a foreign nation. And they did not disclose what was recovered during the search because I don't think they went through all of it yet. Uh, quoting here from uh, David Lofman, former chief of the Justice Department's counterintelligence section, he said, uh, If that is true, it would suggest that material residing unlawfully at Mar-a-Lago may have been classified at the highest classification level. If the FBI and the Department of Justice believed there were top-secret materials still at Mar-a-Lago, that would lend itself to gather hair-on-fire motivation to recover that material as quickly as possible. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. That would lead me to ask the question of, why did they wait till now to make that move? Because th let's make no mistake about it. The timing is quite interesting in regards to where you will be at by the time of the midterm elections. 
part of this grand scheme to try to get to try to help Trump endorsed candidates to win primaries so that that's who Democrats are running against. And then all of this would play out to somewhere right around the middle to the end of October. Uh, the October surprise, anybody? And then not only could you say, oh, look at this ridiculously dangerous criminal, but these are all the people that he endorsed. Can we really trust them too? Clearly not. Clearly not. So I, again, I am taking this with a grain of salt, but investigators reportedly recovered classified materials, some of which was labeled as top secret. U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland, uh, during a press conference, uh, did say that he personally approved the search warrant on Mar-a-Lago and that the Justice Department was moving to unseal the warrant. Uh, quoting here now, just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal the search warrant and a property receipt related to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That, of course, being at the Mar-a-Lago, uh, home of Trump. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in the matter. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is the standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. And this is part of why it's so very important for them to stall on releasing this information. Trump, of course, responded to Garland's remarks by saying that the FBI raid was not needed because his legal team had been cooperating with the Justice Department, which was true. They had been. But this idea, this notion that is being floated now, that it has something to do with nuclear weapons, well, that's a different wrinkle. And if there's any truth to that at all, well, that's certainly worth a notice. Certainly worth a, uh, a different level of looking at this particular story. So I don't know, very interesting that this is where they're going. I mean, I, you got to take everything they're saying with a grain of salt at this point. Because it still stinks to high heaven. It still looks very much like a lot of political activity going on here. And it's not that much different than Twitter's current uh, stepping up their efforts to activate their steps to protect the midterms. They're going to be fighting misleading narratives. So anyway, that's, that is news as of this moment. Uh, they're now claiming something to do with the nuclear codes. So we'll see where that goes. Now, about this Janet Yellen thing, <laughs> Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Wednesday vowed that the Internal Revenue Service audit rates for Americans earning less than $400,000 per year, well, she swore that that's, that's not going to increase, at least according to historical levels. 
which, by the way, are far higher than current levels. Yeah, just FYI, throwing that out there. Now, the Biden administration officials promise comes as the Inflation Reduction Act, <laughs> interesting name, a $740 billion proposal that includes $80 billion for the IRS to hire 87,000 more employees. Well, as that advances its way through Congress, she's stepping up and making this promise. In a letter to IRS Commissioner Charlie Reddick, and uh, well, Yellen argued that the funding would help the IRS improve taxpayer service and increase equity in the tax system rather than allow the agency to tar target middle-income Americans. But I'm sorry, if you're looking to increase equity, isn't that code for your administration to say, hey, we're going to audit all the white folks so that we can ignore people of color's tax evasions? I mean, I know that sounds terribly racist when I say it like that, but I'm pretty sure that's what they mean, at least based on when they've said things like that in the past. Okay, so anyway, continuing just a smidge, uh, quoting now, I direct that any additional resources, including any new personnel or auditors that are hired, shall not be used to increase this share of small business or households below $400,000 annual threshold that are audited relatively to historical levels. This means that contrary to the misinformation from opponents of this legislation, small business or households earning $400,000 per year or less will not see an increase in the chances that they are audited. Again, historically speaking, there's a reason why that's important, so bear with me. Yellen failed to mention that historical levels of audits were significantly higher as recently as one decade ago. According to a report from the Government Accountability Office, audit rates for Americans earning between 25000 and 200000 fell some 76% between 2010 and 2019. All those earning less than 25000 so audit rates fall by about 61%. So taxpayers earning between 200000 to 500000 uh, representing those in the upper end of the Biden administration's vow to not raise taxes for those earning less than 400000 well, they saw a 92% decline in audits, meaning that if she keeps using the word historic levels, then it's a lot like their big uh, circle celebration, high-fiving each other, talking about how, ooh, gas prices are down 20 cents, when technically they're still up better than $2 compared to where they were when he first took office. Not a victory lap worthy moment. But it's proof that our plan is working. Well, yeah, the problem is your plan is working. The problem is your plan is to destroy the country. That's your plan. Maybe you don't all realize that you're working on the same plan, but that's the plan, guys. Historically speaking, lots of people in that 
$400,000 or less range are likely to see a lot of increases. Because here's the bottom line, boys and girls. That money's got to come from somewhere, and you can take every penny from every person in this country, and you're not going to have enough to cover the spending they want to do, especially during an inflationary cycle. In fact, the report said that the IRS officials attributed the overall decline in audit rates to decreased funding and therefore reduced staffing to conduct audits, constraints which are directly addressed by the Inflation Reduction Act. Another report from the Congressional Budget Office, based on an earlier proposal to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. Interesting that it was the exact same number in this previous proposal. Anyway, that particular report found that the audit rates, in fact, would rise for all taxpayers, even as higher income taxpayers face the largest increase. So according to Republican members of the House Ways and Means Committee, the new agents would be capable of carrying out 1.2 million more individual audits per year, with nearly half impacting Americans earning less than 75000 a year. Despite leaving room for higher audit rates relative to historical levels, Yellen continued to argue that information technology updates funded by the bill would help Americans avoid audits in the first place, saying, quote, the result of this resource infusion will be the lower likelihood of audit by an agent that has the data and technolo- technological infrastructure in place to target enforcement resources where they belong, on the high end of the income distribution, where the top 1% alone is estimated to not be paying $160 billion in owed taxes each year. That's important as a matter of revenue raising, but it's also essential as a matter of fairness. Man, I have to pause there for a second because I'm thinking when they start talking about what's fair and then they start trying to talk about equity at the same time, my head wants to explode. I don't think they would know fairness if it literally walked right up to them and bit them on the nose. Ah, what was that? Oh, that was fairness. No way. Fairness has good teeth. I think I'm missing the tip of my head. Anyway. The IRS employed nearly 79,000 full-time employees as of fiscal year 2021. That's according to the agency itself. It also reported $13.7 billion in operating costs. Yellen also referenced a letter uh, that was addressed to lawmakers last week in which the current head of the IRS vowed that the agency would absolutely not use the 87,000 new employees to target taxpayers by increasing audit scrutiny on small business or middle-income Americans. Quoting from the letter, As an extremely proud American, I'm grateful for your support of the IRS and our dedicated employees. I cannot 
be forceful enough in emphasizing that these resources will be transformative for the agency and for American taxpayers. Oh, it'll be transformative, all right. Guys, we've been talking about it since news about this broke. The IRS, as a matter of policy, typically doesn't like to target the wealthiest of Americans for one very simple reason. They can afford to hire the best tax lawyers. They can afford to fight the IRS for years. And the dirty little secret beyond that is that the majority of occasions when the IRS wants to put garnishes on you or take your property, they're usually wrong. These are situations where if you can find the resources to fight them and can stay in the fight long enough, you will almost always win. The problem is, if you're not among the wealthier part of America, you're going to lose a lot in that effort to fight them. And by the time you're done, by the time it's all said and over and you've won your case, there'll be nothing left for them to return to you. They have literally nothing to lose unless they pick on the wealthier section of America. This idea that now suddenly we're going to have enough people to answer the phones when you call, that still doesn't mean they're going to answer. They've gotten rather accustomed to not. It doesn't mean they're going to provide you with better service. It's the IRS. And despite the best efforts of some well-meaning folks, it's still the IRS. This idea somehow that, well, we really need to make sure we're not missing out on this $180 billion that are supposed to. There's not a revenue problem. There's never been a revenue problem since the minute they instituted an income tax. They have had an abundance of revenue. Every year, practically, they set new records of how much income they're bringing in, how much revenue for the government they're claiming, how much of your and my hard-earned money they're taking, whether we want to give it to them or not, to waste on their boondoggle projects like fighting against red states that say, maybe we don't want to murder preborn baby humans here. Maybe we don't want uh, boys who think they're girls playing in girls' sports in the high schools. Maybe we don't want Democrats telling us how to live when we're in Oklahoma and you're in New York, because New York's going to have a very different lifestyle. We literally have U.S. taxpayer dollars going to fund research like, what are the long-term effects of marijuana smoke on shrimp, on treadmills? Now, I, for one, think that it's astounding. This is phenomenal. They train shrimp to run on a treadmill? Well, those little buggers are probably are stoned. <laughs> Otherwise, why are they running on the treadmill? Can't shrimp swim? Don't they have to be underwater? What what kind of research is this? I mean, clearly they're funding that because they can't legally fund gain-of-function research on, you know, 
virological uh, entities. That that's not something that would ever be done, uh, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the second greatest doctor of all time, immediately behind Dr. Joe Biden, of course. <sighs> Here I am, just the heavy sigh on the radio once again. What are we really talking about? This is so clear, so obvious what it is. There is no need to have that many IRS agents, especially at a point in time when you haven't brought all of your IRS agents back into the office yet. A high number of IRS employees are still working from home because of the pandemic. Maybe you might get more work out of them if you actually said, hey guys, come into the office where we can monitor you and make sure you're actually working. Instead of taking a break every five seconds and watching the latest episode of whatever on Netflix. It's been so wild since I've watched Netflix, I don't even know what's on. If there's any new good shows, let me know. It wouldn't matter. I had to end my relationship with the subscription services altogether. There's not a one of them that's not woke, although I hear tell that Netflix is trying to improve. I'm sorry, they've already lost me. I, if I'm watching any of these shows now, I literally have to go visit somebody and they just happen to be watching. Then I will, <laughs> if it's a show I really want to watch, I'll sit there and watch it. Then when we're done, I'll say, by the way, you know, you really should cancel your subscription. You're just helping them stay afloat when they don't deserve to be. Saw an article earlier uh, when I was doing show prep, kind of came across it. It says that Disney has outpaced Netflix for the first time in a while, but that the Disney uh, subscriptions also slowed to a snail's pace. So that tells you a lot of where we're at. Guys, that's going to have to be it for the first hour, meaning that I'm probably saying goodbye to you for the week if you're listening on terrestrial radio. Great stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah Talk Authority, just as an example. But if you're listening on the last frequency, guess what? You'll get to hear hour number two. And if you're listening to the podcast, hour number two starts right after this. In the meanwhile, if you are on terrestrial radio, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. and Most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. I'm out. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers 
looted what was left. She, she couldn't say when, she couldn't say how, she couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago, a happy little cabin in the west. They homeschooled on their farm, making so much more from so much less. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And this is the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on August the 11th, 2022. And, uh, if you're listening to this hour, chances are, unless the radio stations did something funny, or unless somehow I completely flubbed up the Sunday show and they don't have another hour to run with yet, you're probably only hearing this if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening at the last frequency. And in either case, hey, welcome aboard. Glad to have you here. This is bonus material for you guys and you guys alone. Like I said, unless one of these other things happens. So, what do you say we jump into it? Bonus hour uh, means that typically I'm going to spend a little more time talking about directly the culture war and how the left continues to hurt our children. At least that's the primary topic for this hour. Now, here's the struggle that I have every single day. Uh, it feels like that ever since Donald John Trump burst into the scene and officially announced that to be running for president and actually got into the race. We have not had a slow news cycle day since then. I mean, we just haven't. And stuff goes on on the weekends. Stuff goes on in the document dumps on Friday evenings. Uh, stuff goes on literally every day. Political, policy, and in the culture wars. And to the point that the left even denies that they're the ones fighting the culture war. The culture wars from the right, man, because they, they don't understand how the culture belongs to the left, and, and we're just trying to fight them over it. Uh, even though nearly everything they're trying to do has only existed in the totality of human existence for roughly about five minutes. Just saying. All right, so today... We'll start with the fact that the Boston Children's Hospital uh, ranked the number one children's hospital in the United States. Well, they're offering gender-affirming hysterectomies to children who aren't even old enough to legally buy alcohol. According to the hospital's website, BCH, Boston Children's Hospital, offers comprehensive medical care for children from birth to age 21. And that includes gender-affirming care for transgender youth. The Center for Gender Surgery at Boston Children's Hospital offers gender-affirmation surgery services to eligible adolescents and young adults who are ready to take the step in their journey. At least that's what the hospital's website says. Also, they say... It is the first center of its kind in the U.S. in a major pediatric hospital setting. So pediatric gynecologist Francis Grimstead, I believe. Yes, Francis. Who specializes in transgender reproductive health. Uh, if that's actually a thing, I guess you can specialize in it. Anyway, uh, that's the specialty over at the Boston Children's Hospital. Let me, let me reiterate, Children's Hospital. Uh, they literally have this video up, and libs of TikTok, of course, uh, put this up on their site, where the good 
Dr. Francis Grimstead, explains what gender-affirming hysterectomy actually entails. I'm not going to play the audio here, although you certainly can go find it if you want to go visit Libs of TikTok. But I will tell you, a gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy, a hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral uh, appendectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that. And people who are having gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. Uh, obviously, because without, uh, <laughs> without the other bits of the plumbing, uh, ovaries really don't, don't do much, right? Anyway, hysterectomies, whether for gender-affirming reasons or not, are not reversible and will render the patient permanently unable to bear children. A world-renowned pediatric facility proudly, <laughs> proudly talking about removing the uteruses of healthy young girls in the name of gender-affirming care, well, that's terrifying. So says uh, Erica Sanzi, the director of outreach for the nonprofit Parents Defending Education. She was, of course, speaking to the National Desk, a publication that I have come across on a few occasions. They typically do fairly good work. Uh, according to the Boston Children's Hospital website, children as young as 15 can go under the knife for breast augmentations or double mastectomies in the name of gender affirmation with parental consent. So at least there's that. I mean, how many states are there where you don't have to have parental consent to do this kind of thing now? Or even more to the point, they're expected to keep it from the parents. Consent? We don't even want to tell them until after it's done. At 17, a trans woman can receive a vaginoplasty. At 18, a trans man can receive, well, let's just say where they manipulate what appears to be a penis. Gender-affirming care. Back to quoting, by the way. Gender-affirming care is newspeak for permanently altering the bodies of kids and adults through drugs and surgery. Uh, Delano Squares. If you watch the vid with no sound, you'd assume this lady is talking about her love of classic literature. I'll take a bulldog over a, a winsome butcher any day. Uh, <laughs> another Twitter user made the comment, quote, you can be upbeat, enthusiastic, and smiley when it's gender-affirming hysterectomies you're describing. A major operation that will leave you infertile? 
it's promoted as if it's a fun makeover. Yeah. And I think that's putting it lightly. Because ultimately, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about surgical mutilations. We're talking about permanently rendering someone infertile based on a condition that if they are truly suffering from gender dysphoria, they'll most likely outgrow. Now, the reason I say that is because in best current estimates, 98% of cases by their 21st birthday, they have. They no longer suffer from gender dysphoria. And another percent and a half get over it by the time they're 25, if they haven't by their 21st birthday. Now, for some folks, that might be a long time to suffer with this, but that's where good counseling, counseling of the positive kind comes in, where actual support of these people who are suffering with this very real psychiatric condition, that's where that comes in. Just playing along and trying to promote this notion, this idea that somehow it's okay to chemically castrate yourself. It's okay to surgically mutilate yourself. It's okay to do whatever kind of damage to your body that you want to do based on the whims of a child. Because, sorry, I know at 15 you feel like an adult. And uh, thanks to modern nutrition, a lot of you are starting to look like an adult by then. Uh, You're not. In fact, Thanks to the age of helicopter parents and participation trophies, I know a lot of 30-year-olds that it's questionable if they're an adult yet. Because adulthood isn't really about age, is it, guys? I mean, we like to pretend at 18 you're legally an adult, but when you talk about adulthood, you're talking about a certain level of maturity. And that's something that we just don't see anymore because, well, children haven't been expected to mature, have they? I mean, we literally live in an age where there are 20-year-olds that the first time a real expectation is put in front of them, they just crumble. Not that they couldn't do the job, not that they couldn't meet the expectation if they tried, but the fact that they know there will be consequences if they fail, they don't even make the effort. I've seen this personally, in fact, relatively recently with one of the folks that works, well, very short time, worked for uh, my day job employer. It's astounding where we're at these days with, with what kids are expected to do. And still, you want to tell me that somebody that is just as likely to stick a fork in an electrical outlet, stick their tongue to a flagpole in freezing weather, that these people should be allowed to make decisions about their bodily autonomy before they've even undergone puberty, because that's the argument. Here, at least in the Boston Children's Hospital, at the very least they're expecting them to have begun puberty before they're going to allow them to start undergoing surgery. At the very least, they're requiring some level of parental consent if they're below the age of 17. But for crying out loud, some of the things that they're willing to do to these kids, and they are still kids, it's it's mind-boggling. But if you happen to be on the left, you don't even blink at this anymore. If you happen to be an activist on Twitter, 
that has to be called out by Libs of TikTok and uh, by certain hosts over at the Daily Wire. Looking at you, Matt. Good job. Uh, well, they're they're creating a uh, a distribution network, so some of these kids can get these hormone blockers, uh, even if they can't get them prescribed to them anymore, because some of these mean old red states are starting to crack down on it. It's not just the red states, though, is it? We've already talked about how in Europe, places where they were so anxious to, to do this kind of treatment, that they're backing off now. They're starting to recognize that it's doing more harm than good. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that this realization has occurred, but did it really take hurting so many people for it to happen? And that's what happened here. A lot of people were hurt physically and emotionally. And these were people that were already emotionally delicate because of gender dysphoria being a real psychological condition. So on top of that, that a lot of what we see here in the United States and probably a lot of what you're seeing in Europe isn't even kids that are suffering from gender dysphoria. A large number of this comes back around to the social contagion, trending trans, as it was called a little while ago. We've had multiple guests on to talk about it. Or they're doing it because it's cool. How do I prove I'm a true ally? Well, I'll prove that I'm, I'm one of you. I'm a minority. Okay, well, you're white and appear to be heterosexual. Okay, well, you know, I, I'll be, I'll be gay. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'll be bi. Uh, definitely not good enough. Fine, I'll be trans. Uh, well, okay, I guess given your level of whiteness, we'll take you seriously once you started hormone therapy. Now, you have to, at the very least, start chemically castrating yourself. Then we'll believe you. Yeah, that's where we're at. And to continue to see time after time, minute by minute, these so-called medical professionals that are actually stepping up and making this stuff happen, not just allowing it, but creating it, making it difficult, if not impossible, for actual medical professionals to proceed with treatments that would be appropriate. I don't know how hard it is to do the right thing. Although I did see this uh, story here that kind of goes right alongside with what I'm talking about. And so I'm going to kind of slide into it. Hadn't necessarily planned out it initially, but uh, turns out that uh, not a lot of American pediatricians are actually on board with this. They're not okay with the pushing of chemical castrations or surgical mutilations for that point on these children. I'm very disappointed that they insisted on only complaining privately. But uh, yeah, evidently, uh, documents that are being revealed now, recently released or uncovered or whatever, these new documents, they show that the... Uh, a high number of American pediatricians have literally been slamming the American Academy of Pediatrics for pushing puberty-blocking drugs for teens that claim to be a different gender. 
That's the reaction that I've been hoping for for a long time. That's a reaction that should be out there. That means that some of these pediatricians actually acknowledge their Hippocratic Oath. Furious pediatricians who are members of the AAP, accuse the AAP of changing its rules so that Resolution 27, which proposed a, quote, rigorous systematic review of the AAP's 2018 gender policy, was blocked. The proposed resolution did not advance by the AAP Leadership Conference in Chicago last weekend, the only resolution affected by new procedural rules at the AAP set up earlier this year. So, frustrated members posted their objections to the AAP in the comment section for a separate resolution on the organization's members-only website. Now, the Daily Mail stated in a uh, exclusive report uh, that one comment declared, quote, the AAP is endorsing great harm without high quality or long-term evidence of benefit. That comment added that the uh, transgender woman, who was the country's leading vaginoplasty surgeon in some country, reported that 100% of males put on the affirmative care Dutch protocol lose all sexual sensation and function. They are stripped of the ability to ever have sexual intimacy or fall in love. Did you catch that? 100% of males on the affirmative care Dutch protocol. Another comment, quote, I am wholeheartedly in support of Resolution 27, which interestingly has been removed from the list of resolutions for comment. Another comment read, quote, I can no longer trust the AAP to provide medical evidence-based education with regard to care for TGD individuals. This past year, at the AAP National Conference, ongoing debate on the matter was silenced egregiously. Another pediatrician asked, quote, before, <clears throat> before promulgating gender-affirming care, with all of its ethical implications, irreversible bodily changes, sterility, etc., don't we want to be sure this is the best path? Julia Mason, one of the five authors of Resolution 27, told the Daily Mail, quote, I'm really disappointed the AAP is being driven by ideology rather than evidence. They're embarrassed that they've let young activist doctors get them on record in support of gender-affirming care, and now... They can't come. They can't backtrack. They've suppressed my efforts and come up with new rules to hide what we're trying to say from rank and file pediatricians. Resolution twenty seven asked the AAP to quote undertake a rigorous, systematic review of available evidence regarding the safety, efficiency and risk of childhood social transition, puberty blockers, 
cross-sex hormones and surgery, and to update the 2018 guidelines for the care of gender dysphoric youth based on the results of this evidence review and in consultation with a range of stakeholders, including mental health and medical clinicians, parents, and patients with diverse views and experiences. So it sounds like they made an effort to be somewhat inclusive in their effort to get to the facts, to get to the truth. Isn't that really what we're searching for? I mean, if you're tuning into a show called Tap Into the Truth, I'm assuming you'll want the truth. Not some watered-down version, not some, hey, let's uh, go along to get along. So the truth is that a lot of pediatricians, particularly in this country, have never been okay with this strange guideline that says, okay, well, as soon as somebody says, I think I'm a different gender than my biological sex says, that you're no longer allowed to talk to them about it except to say, yay, uh, you want us to go ahead and start removing stuff now? Or do you just want to take some pills that will stop your puberty? I mean, if that's your only options on the table, crying out loud, seems like you want to hurt people. You cannot tell me that the individuals that are in the medical professional, professional, the medical profession, do not recognize the fact that this is a policy, this is a philosophy that does far more harm than good. They're already a vulnerable block, a vulnerable group of people. These folks have one of the highest levels of suicide of any other group of people. It doesn't matter how else you choose to quantify and what labels you want to stick on the boxes you're throwing them into. If you're looking at transgender folks, you're looking at people that actually legitimately suffer from gender dysphoria. The treatments they get, they're not helpful. In this particular level, how do you expect to achieve anything with chemical castrations and surgical mutilations. There's nothing affirming about that, except, of course, affirming that your bank account gets a little bigger, because now you've created a whole new base. You, congratulations, have done to plastic surgery uh, what Steve Jobs used to always do for Apple computers. Just create a new way to sell your product, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's a whole new market. That's what you've done. Oh, let's sell an iPad. Okay, well, you're still just selling a computer. It's just formatted differently. Shh, it's an iPad. And now there's going to be a whole new market called tablets. Okay, but it's still a computer. Shush, 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 shush. We've already done this. Now we're selling the iPhone. Okay, it's a, it's a computer that's, like, even smaller than the tablet there, and, and you make phone calls. We can make phone calls from the tablet now, too. We have the technology. But it's still just a computer. Shh, they don't need to know that. Creating a whole new market. Well, there you go. This is just plastic surgery, guys. But it's gender-affirming plastic surgery. Well, every plastic surgery is affirming of something, right? 
spend 15 minutes watching one of these shows like Botched, and, and maybe, maybe you'll at least be hesitant before you jump on board these things. But the fact that they keep targeting children, that's the real issue. I've said it a million times on this show that, okay, once you become an adult and you're capable of making your own choices and you're responsible for you, then if that's the path you feel like is right for you, I still wouldn't recommend it, but it's your life. Do what you feel is right, and I hope it works out for you. And I mean that. I honestly do. I do not want anybody in this world to be more miserable than they have to be, especially because of their own choices, because there's nothing that will make you more miserable than knowing that you got nobody else to blame but yourself, even though most people have a really hard time acknowledging that. Most people will suddenly blame, uh, well, the doctor that tried to talk me into it. Now, the doctor who talked you into it probably does deserve some of the blame because they should have known better. Um, I was only only 15 and my parents signed off on it. So thanks a lot, mom. It's your fault I'm so miserable. No, no, your mom had something to do with it and shares a little of the blame. But you still made the choice. But the fact that they're targeting a 15-year-old that would need mom to give you permission, that is the most shameful aspect of this. Well, you see, we have to put the puberty blockers in place before the puberty starts or else there's going to be different effects and you can't just stop a puberty in the middle and expect it to just start it. There's no guarantees that puberty, that puberty blockers are reversible to begin with. I know we keep hearing them say, well, you know, if you're undergoing the puberty blockers and then you change your mind, you can just stop taking them and bam, the puberty will happen. That doesn't happen every time. And there's not enough long-term effects and not enough research and not enough testing to be able to say that you even can expect that to be the normal reaction. I mean, if you're just starting the therapy, you, you get a, you pop a couple of uh, hormone replacement pills, and then it's like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Okay, you're probably okay then, because it hasn't even gotten to your system. But if you take this stuff regularly for three months, then at that point, what level of harm, what level of permanent damage have you done? Maybe you can stop, and maybe puberty will try to kick back in, but will it be the way it should have been? Will you get the end result? Have you just ended you from becoming the human you were supposed to be? Really good chance. A really good chance. Which is why you should be an adult who has gone completely through puberty before you make any of these choices for yourself. I mean, it's just that simple. You may not like it. You don't have to like it. But once upon a time, not that long ago, that used to be the... Uh, the way things were done, at least here in America. It's like, here, okay, uh, don't like something? Uh, tough. This is the way it is. Only a few ways to change things like that, and guess what? You're a kid. You don't like the choices your, kid, your parents make for you. Well, you know, once you're an adult, you can do things different. Reminds me of meme, that's <laughs> so. And I hate to keep sharing memes. I know you guys have probably already seen it, but it's got that father and son where they're on the bench and they're ending in tears, and 
the son says. When I'm an adult, can I buy all the games that I want? And the father says, yes, son, you can. And then in the next chapter, he says, but you won't have time to play them. <laughs> and I, I think that's pretty much the definition of adulthood. When you're a big kid like me, as a guy, would love to just sit around and, you know, play some of the video games that I like from back in the day. I, I remember them fondly, but part of me thinking I remember them so fondly is because I haven't played them in years. And I probably wouldn't like them as much now. If I did, I probably would make more time to do them. Anyway, uh, let's take the mid-hour break right about there. And, uh, you know, you guys stay where you're at. We'll be back after this very brief break and continue this bonus hour. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. While many Christian parents and adults in general continue to be cowardly lions, children are allowed to be trained up in the way that they should not go. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Once upon a time, in the land of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, where Christian-based morality was the standard, especially in many churches, it was taught and believed that immoral, unnatural sexual practitioners would not be allowed to push their adult-chosen lifestyle upon children who should be taught and encouraged to seek the higher moral ground and to look forward to a successful life. But apparently, the leadership of Grace Episcopal Church in Manhattan, New York City, did not get that memo, because recently at the church's school, Students reportedly felt extreme pressure to play along after their ostensibly Christian high school turned its mandatory chapel service into a drag queen show. Students who chose to remain anonymous said there was tons and tons of pressure to act approvingly about drag queen performances and pretend like it was normal. This indicates just how corrupt and unbiblical that both the church leadership and parents are. This is Exhibit A on how to destroy America from within. Wake up, America. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Look, these aren't, we always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. 
Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap into the Truth. Yes, indeed. Right here, right now. And I do think the world is kind of waking up uh, from uh, this lackadaisical mindset we've been in, uh, due in no small part to fine folks like A.J. Rice writing The Woking Dead and, and doing the hard work of developing those relationships and making sure that conservatism is uh, heard and well message wherever it can be. Uh, find folks like Don Smith and Anya Bellis, Ron Edwards, uh, Rod Eccles, uh, you know, I, just a, a ton of folks that maybe you know, a ton of folks that you've never known, and of course, all those A-listers that you clearly do know. We're all fighting for the same thing, defending the Republic, defending the Constitution, trying to pass on actual individual liberty. Now, before I get back to uh, our primary topics here, want to uh, want to recommend you check out DiamondCBD.com. Uh, now, the thing is, over at Diamond CBD, they have all kinds of premium hemp-derived products that are completely legal. Uh, everything from CBD to Delta Eight. They've got the gummies, they've got vapes, they've got creams, oils, and a whole lot more. Uh, so go visit, uh, follow the link in the show description if you would, or click on the link over to social media sites where I'm at, or come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com, and uh, click on the Delta CBD products. Uh, you'll, you'll Delta, I'm sorry, uh, Diamond CBD, and uh, you'll get all kinds of uh, a great value. And, uh, you know, just as a little hint, if you decide to make a purchase over at DiamondCBD.com, you can use the code SUP30 at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your entire order. And it doesn't matter what you've ordered, 30% off. And that code doesn't expire, by the way. That's a permanent code. That's an insider code. You have to be listening to this show to know about that, unless you're on the social media feeds. Like if you follow me on Facebook, for example, I am sharing those links quite frequently over there. So again, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, which not likely for this hour, but if you were to be, uh, you know, like I said, some strange circumstance pops up, and for some reason, Terrestrial Radio had to play this hour, because, I don't know, something happened on Sunday, and I didn't get to show out on time, or something, something wild and crazy, whatever it may be, uh, well, you know, just, uh, just go use the code, SUP30, 
SUP30. Do that at checkout. 30% off everything. But that's only good at DiamondCBD.com. Uh, and they really do have everything. Uh, just premium products, hemp-derived, all legal. Uh, the, the Delta 8, you can get the buzz. The Delta 10, actually sharp and focused. Uh, and, and a lot of other stuff, too. But it's legal. And make sure that uh, you're getting stuff that's legal where you're at. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they will not send stuff to you. That isn't. Okay, now uh, this next topic, again, kind of falls in line with the same thing we've been talking about, uh, how wokeness is hurting our children. And in this case, it comes down to a school board in North Dakota. Yes, I know. This is one of those stories that I used to be uh, known for, something that doesn't typically get a whole lot of press. But this story isn't that unusual for some others that we've talked about in the past we got a school board in North Dakota. They've stopped saying the Pledge of Allegiance before meetings, claiming that the mention of the word God runs contrary to the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I'm not exactly sure why, because there's a good amount of diversity that believes in God in a lot of different ways. Uh, pretty sure even though our idea of God, uh, being Christian, and the Muslims' idea of God, uh, being Islamic, is very different. But using the word God uh, doesn't really bother them. Uh, they might ask that you translate it into Arabic and say Allah, but uh, that still comes down to God. It just doesn't seem like the, the same God, right? Anyway, on Tuesday night, the Fargo, North Dakota School Board voted 7-2 to two to ditch the pledge after board members complained that capitalized God was non-inclusionary. So what, we're supposed to use little g God? Here in my studio, I am little g God. Uh, so that's... That's not very inclusive either, now that I think about it, but in that particular case. But how is actually capitalized big G God non-inclusionary? I can't think of anybody that loves everybody more than big G God. I mean, it really does. I know a few folks that sowed their wild oats when they were young, and uh, they took loving everybody uh, in a very different fashion. But in this instance, I, I don't see it. I, just non-inclusionary, I have a hard time with it. Now, the school board had previously begun reciting the pledge after it passed a motion back on March 22nd to start each meeting with it. So, you know, they, they actually tried to have a return to, you know, classic American values, and the Pledge of Allegiance kind of falls into that category. Uh, quoting here from Seth Holden, one of the board members, given that the word God in the text of the Pledge of Allegiance is capitalized, the text is clearly referring to the uh, Judeo-Christian, or Judeo-Christian is actually what it should say, but uh, again, typo here, the Judeo-Christian God, and therefore it does not include any other face 
such as Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of which are practiced by our staff and students at FPS. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you right there, Seth. Given that the text in the Pledge of Allegiance compared to the fact that you're just saying the Pledge of Allegiance doesn't necessarily mean anything to that individual different than what they believe. You're essentially saying that if you're Islamic, a Hindu, Buddhist, who's, you know, in Buddhism, you think that you're God, God resides in you, you are the deity. Uh, strange to be concerned about them being concerned about a capital G. But to make your argument based on the capitalization in the text, if it's written down, are you guys reading it off? You don't have it memorized? Are you putting it up on an overhead projector so that uh, visitors to the board meeting can follow along? You're expecting everybody in the building to say it? Because, I mean, if that's what you're doing, wouldn't this also be as easily solved by just saying, oh, by the way, if you happen to be here and this bothers you, you don't have to participate? Wouldn't that be a better solution? No, 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 no. We just, we all have to ignore our faith. We all have to ignore our, our pledge of allegiance because, you know, it might hurt someone's feelings. Did you actually get somebody complaining about this, Seth? I, I, besides you. I mean, obviously, Seth is very bothered by this. Dear Mr. Holden, sir. Can I call you Seth? I'm going to keep calling you Seth. Is anybody else legitimately bothered by this? I am just, I'm curious. Because it seems to me like you're too busy being part of the Woking Dead to fire up a few brain cells and defend the American value that is portrayed here by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm sorry, the fact that it was capitalized in the text is because, yes, the person that wrote the Pledge of Allegiance was Judeo-Christian that believed in the God of Abraham. So he's not going to disrespect the God of Abraham by not capitalizing the word God. But that still doesn't mean that if you're a person of a different faith that you can't see God as being differently. It doesn't mean you can't say, Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one nation under God, and not think to yourself, uh, one nation under Vishnu, <laughs> one nation under Allah. I mean, I would be personally offended if you were saying that. I, I would, because number one, that's not the way the pledge is written. And number two, uh, well, I think I've made my opinions clear on that in the past. I don't see a reason to go back into that. Not appropriate for this particular story. But my point stands that can't you say one nation under God and in your mind be thinking about whatever God it is that you follow, that you believe in. It seems to me like that's pretty easy to do. But no, no, our good friend Seth, Mr. Holden, if you will, uh, claimed that by doing this before each meeting, it violated the aforementioned diversity, equity, and inclusion principles, which, you know, again, is a bunch of woke nonsense that really has no place in official governmental business. And a school board meeting is official 
government business. Just FYI. Now, the school board president, Tracy Newman, suggested and said that the board find a different pledge to recite, to, to foster unity. A different pledge? What, that lemon pledge? You're going to dust all the woodwork in the, uh, the boardroom? What, what pledge? Anyway, Tracy, our good friend, Tracy Newsom, not Newman, not Newsom, Newman, uh, said, quote, I'm just not sure that reciting the Pledge of Allegiance is a useful way to begin every one of our board meetings. I would much prefer that we open our meetings with a shared statement of purpose that would bring us all together to do the work of the board. <sighs> Again, Tracy, come on. The Pledge of Allegiance kind of does exactly what you're saying because the work of the school board is to recognize that you are, in fact, under his reign. That you should be trying to do this work as a calling, not as an effort to have a little control in the local community. It sounds to me like you're desperately clinging to the notion of, I don't know, let's say, separation of church and state. Again, not a thing that actually exists in the Constitution. Something that has been overblown and overdone. Anyway, the school board's website states, quote, Education is better where schools are composed of students, teachers, and families drawn from diverse socioeconomic backgrounds, cultures, races, ethnicities, religions, and sexual orientations. But again, I'm going to have to pump the brakes a little bit and say, is it? Is education better where schools are composed of all these different things? Because if you're saying that that's a requirement then it sounds to me like you're focused on that more than you're actually focused on educating. You see, in my mind, education is better where schools are composed of students who are there to learn, teachers who are there to teach actual facts, not indoctrinate uh, into ideologies, and then it, none of the rest matters. Presumably, if you're in a public school, you should expect some level of socioeconomic diversity. You should expect some level of ethnicities and religious uh, changes. But again, uh, reminder where we're at, North Dakota. In North Dakota, do you really have this wide variety of cultures and different religions? I mean, is there a lot of that? I mean, it's been a long time since I've been to North Dakota, so I suppose things might have changed. But last time I checked, in most parts of the state, you typically have more bison than people per capita. Now, if, if that's not the case now, and it may not be the case exactly where this school board is at, but it seems to me like you're focusing on the wrong things, guys. To that extent, however, board members and immigrants... 
uh, Namal Dai, said, quote, We live in a diverse community, and that is what matters. And this, of course, while supporting the move to end saying the pledge. So is that what matters? Because, again, you're on the school board. You're not on a public relations board. You're not on the community diversity board. You're on a school board. What matters is the quality of education that you're offering to all the students. And that is not going to be affected at all by saying or not saying the Pledge of Allegiance before you get started. It's just kind of a nice thing to do to remind you that the first role of an educator is to educate. That your allegiance is supposed to be to the principles that this country was founded on. Now, we say the allegiance to the flag and then to the nation for which it stands. And somehow people want to convolute that as saying, well, I'm not that, uh, my allegiance isn't to the government. Okay, well, don't be. The government isn't the country. The flag isn't the country. The flag is meant to symbolize what the country is. And the country is made up of all the people and the principles that it was built on. And those principles are worth standing up for. Those principles will actually help provide a quality education to the students that are attending your school system. Oh, but no, no, no. No, no, no. They can't say that. The saying the pledge gets in the way. One community member, David Paulson, spoke at the meeting in favor of keeping the pledge. So, you know, obviously some folks there still like the idea, saying, quote, we are misinterpreting the Pledge of Allegiance. The pledge isn't a show of our patriotism. It's an affirmation of our commitment and our loyalty to the greater cause. And the greater cause is freedom. Okay, I can kind of go along with that. Now, I still might think my definition is a little better, but that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Commitment and loyalty to the greater cause, that cause being freedom. Okay, I, I would actually prefer individual liberty over freedom, because freedom can also mean anarchy, and that's not what we're standing up for. Anyway, in a reaction to the story, uh, Ethan Hersale, a candidate for North Dakota state legislator, tweeted out, quote, disgusting. The Fargo school system, uh, the Fargo school board decision is an insult to the values of our great country and to everyone who has given their life to defend our liberties. Well, I don't know if I go quite that far, but I don't think I really disagree with Ethan, though. Not really. Ethan also added, the school board's assertion that the Pledge of Allegiance violates their so-called diversity rule. Uh, that's pretty absurd, too. And I got to say, in that case, Ethan's 100% right. It doesn't violate diversity or equity or inclusion. What it does is it reminds everybody that this is a country that's based on the principles that we all should strive for equality, not equity. For equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. Because the problem with equal outcomes is if you're going to expect a guarantee of it, the only outcome that can be guaranteed is a crappy one. You can't guarantee a great outcome if that's what you're trying to promise. Which is why socialism and all other forms of communal existence 
typically doesn't fare very well for very long. It's absurd to think otherwise. It's absolutely mind-numbing to think that the people in Fargo, North Dakota, has enough people to worry about. Uh, we have to be very cognitive of our diversity. That's what's important. If you're on the governmental diversity committee, yeah, okay, fair enough. But you're on a school board, buddy. Hey, buddy, it's the school board. What's about you? What's about you do the right thing for the kids? What's about you say you do the right thing for the children? You know, the, the little people, the wee ones, the people. That, I don't even know what kind of accent I'm doing there. Because here we are again. That's not an accent. That's just me trying not to scream and, and failing. Well, I mean, mostly succeeding, but nearly failing. Because I almost screamed. What are we talking about? We're talking about a school board that seems to think the Pledge of Allegiance is just a bridge too far. Personally, I think if the Pledge of Allegiance is a bridge too far, if it's not diverse enough for you, then maybe this country isn't diverse enough for you. And I don't know why people have such a problem with that mindset. It's like if you don't like it here, guess what? We don't have walls. We don't even have walls keeping people out. So we certainly aren't trying to keep people in. If there's some place you think is better, go check it out. You might change your mind after a little time. Kind of think you will. I'm not. I'm not even saying lover or lever. I'm saying don't like it. Go visit around. You know, go just check it out. See for yourself how some of these folks have just been lying to you about how we're the worst racist country on the planet. Guys, if we were so terrible, why is every poor person from every other country around the world still trying to get here? Why? If we're such a terrible place? Maybe, just maybe, we're not such a terrible place. Maybe, just maybe, a lot of them would be willing to say the Pledge of Allegiance if they meant they got to stay. Maybe they would take that pledge and take it as an oath and mean it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Yeah. Real divisive. Real non-inclusive. <laughs> That's got to be it for me out, guys. I've got to be out on that. But uh, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take theirs. Be prepared to put in some effort. And, you know, most importantly, if you really want to tap into the truth, use your brain. And, uh... One final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, oh. Let's go, Brandon. 
Control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. using both hands. <laughs> <laughs>